So Paul wants the Galatians to enjoy the faith um, in which they were justified um, through Jesus. Um, And so, especially in the last two weeks, we've been looking at this theme of justification by faith. And today we're going to expand a theme that Fletch looked at last week. Um, This idea of when we are justified by faith, how then do we act? And our focus today, we're going to look at at, um, a few questions. First, how do we know that we are saved? And how do we know that we're justified? How, we, how do we live life after justification through faith? And how does the Holy Spirit help us to live out this faith? So we're going to jump around a little bit today, um, but the message will be based on Galatians chapter 3, um, verses 1 through 6. And so right now I'm going to read the last few verses of chapter 2 for some review and context for today, um, and then the passage that we're going to be focused on. So this is um, Galatians chapter 2, 17. Um, If, while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law... I died to the law so that I may live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if grace could be gained through the the law, Christ died for nothing. You foolish Galatians, Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to obtain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you, con- you believe what you heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I ask you to fill us with your spirit today. Lord, guide us through Paul's word. And Lord, I ask you to ask that you give us open hearts so, you can, so we can embrace your word. And Lord, I pray that you guide me today. Let me speak your will and only your will so we can all experience a more fulfilling life in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So throughout this passage, Paul challenges the Galatians as he did the Jewish leaders in chapter 2. Paul emphasizes the Galatians' adherence to a works-based gospel 
as they're being pulled away from the truth of faith in Jesus. As you'll see um, throughout chapters 2 and 3 in Galatians, there's a lot of repetition by Paul. And this is because Paul is desperate to emphasize that we are justified only by faith. I mean, this idea forms the crux of this message today. It's the framework of Paul's faith works argument, the purpose of the book of Galatians, and this is the essence of what it means to be a Christian. And so in order to understand this, this grace rather than works gospel, um, we must go back and, and look at the role of the law and why Paul desires to separate the law from faith. Because um, despite Paul's emphasis about the incompatibility of law and grace-based, grace-based salvation in Galatians, the law placed... Uh, played a really key role in the lives of the Israelites in the Old Testament. Um, The law was never meant for salvation, but instead it was meant to guide the Israelites towards obedience in God and the faith in his promises. First, the law law brought the Israelites to to a right state of heart in order Um, that they could embrace faith in God. And we saw this numerous times when we went through Joshua. Um, In Joshua 1, um, God prepares the Israelites for this mission, this conquest of the Holy Land that would be long and dangerous. And what he says, um, he urges Joshua um, in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law My servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I mean, here we can see that God emphasizes the law. He repeatedly reminds Joshua to meditate on it, to know it inside and out. And Joshua wrote the law um, of God on his heart. And the Israelites, um, through the law, were able to discern God's will for them and discern God's commandments as they went forth um, to to conquer the the Holy Land. Um, The law allowed the Israelites to come close to God, both individually and corporately. And we see this, um, for example, the Levites, um, they adhered to the law and the traditional methods set forth by God, and they were able to come close to God um, once a year in the Holy of Holies. Um, And and as a nation, um, as Israel followed the law, it facilitated their faith in God And as we saw in Joshua, it was rewarded time and time again um, by God when they followed his commandment. But um, when faith in God was lacking um, among the Israelites, um, the people quickly disobeyed the law. Um, As we see in uh, Numbers 20, um, at this point, the Israelites are in the middle of the desert, Um, Moses has led them there, and they're grumbling about not having enough food, not being um, 
taken care of, and they're losing faith in God and God's promises to bring them to this holy land. Um, and, and God instructs Moses to speak to the rock um, and, and so that it would flow water for all the Israelites. And Moses, being affected by and influenced by the unfaithfulness of the Israelites, he disobeys the law um, and strikes the rock, um, and, and he is punished for this. And so we see that with the law, we also need faith. And so the law does not lead to salvation, and we cannot be justified by the law. As we saw in the last few weeks, we are absolutely unworthy, and we're condemned under the law. We haven't violated the law once or twice, but we live constantly in disobedience to the law. And for that, we deserve death. Thus, as Paul is teaching us, it's foolishness to think that we can do good works and achieve salvation because we can't. And this is what Paul is saying to the Galatians in uh, chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He rebukes them for being led into believing that in their sinfulness, they can earn salvation and require others to be this earthly standard, while themselves they were justified only by faith. Jesus, in his authority over the law, offers us the only escape um, from this futile pursuit of sanctification by the law. Yeah, so only in justification um, we gain faith. Um, we become set apart and saved when we put our faith in Jesus. And through dying on the cross, Jesus suffered the payment for our sin. God crushed him and suffocated him on the cross. And he, through that huge sacrifice, is the only one who can set us free and justify us under the law. So, as we see, it's arrogant for us to pursue a works-based faith because it, it, in that we trivialize the depth of our sin and the greatness of salvation and greatness of God's love. So, um, as we saw that the law has a role and had a role in the Israelites. How can we be shaped by God's commandments if we reject the law, as Paul says? And Paul demonstrates that when we accept the gospel, we are also given the Holy Spirit. In, in Galatians um, chapter 3, verse 2, is the first time that Paul introduces the Holy Spirit in the letter. And he says, I would like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And so the Spirit plays a really big role in, in Paul's grace-based gospel. 
the Spirit replaces the law and provides us primarily with three things. One, community with the Father, discernment of God's laws, and production of spiritual fruit. And so this first um, point, community with the Father. Um, When we accept faith, we become a child of God and become united with the Father. And this is what Jesus says in, in John 14, verses 16 through 20. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. As I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And so when we accept um, salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and lives with us. And, and that is Jesus. That is God in um, living in us. And so in that, we become an, an extension of God's will. Um, and our will and his will are united. Um, when, when we think of things like slavery, we also often hate it because it limits um, one person's freedom um, at the expense of another's will. And while on earth that is awful and sinful, but that's what we're called to with God. God has a plan for us, and God knows what's best for us, and so we become an extension of his will. Not only do we have also open access to communicate with God, but we share the desires of God, and God lives inside of us. And so this leads us um, to the second point, which is the Spirit gives us discernment um, over the the evils of the flesh um, and gives us discernment of God's commandments. Um, In Galatians um, 3, verse 2, um, Paul states, Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And, And so throughout Galatians, Paul juxtaposes the spirit with the flesh. They're opposites. Um, and, and in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, he says, So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And so the spirit which lives inside us lets us know when in violation of God's law. As God hates sin so much, so should we when we have the spirit. And, and through guilt, 
we are able to see when we have violated God's law and, and, and how we can be brought back um, to salvation and obedience of law. And, and thirdly, the Spirit allows us to produce spiritual fruit. In Galatians 6, uh, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. The Spirit leads us towards the life of Jesus, one that produces fruit in our personality and in our action. The Spirit leads us to serve others and serve the mission of God. So, the ultimate question remains, how do you and I know that we are saved? How do we know that we've received the Spirit and been justified by God? How do we know that we are a child of God? Many Christians today, throughout America, uh, pastors and church leaders and youth pastors would, would have you answer two questions. One, do you believe in God? And number two, has there been a point in your life where you have asked Jesus into your heart? So do these things make you a child of God? Absolutely not. These things often are based on subjective feelings and thoughts that, that provide us with a faulty assurance of salvation and a weak hope in Christ. And God calls us to more. You look at our society today, and 70% of all Americans consider themselves Christians. They believe in God, and, and likely all of them have said they've accepted Christ at, at one point in their lives. But, but you look at these, these Christians, and you look at everyone else, and often it's so hard to tell a difference in their actions and in their thoughts and their deeds. Regarding morality, looking at, at divorce rates, Christians divorce at the same rate as atheists. Abortion, a, a, according to a study by Karenet, 70% of the people who have abortions consider themselves Christians, and 40% have attended church twice in the last month. But, but obviously they're not living out faith that God has for us. So many Christians in America live out a life that's just like the rest of the world. And you and I would say that not, not all of those people are Christian. And that's true. They, they believe in God and, and may have accepted Christ. And so how do you, how do I, know that we aren't one of those fake, not secure Christians? Well, gladly, God has given us assurance in our faith. And how do we do that? How do we know 
that we are saved. First, we must believe, we must repent, and we must live out our faith by the Spirit. And so belief. Belief is so important. Um, And belief is the starting point of all faith. And and Paul emphasized this again and again um, throughout Galatians, as we see in our our passage in verse 2 and then again in in, in verse 5. I would like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And again in in verse 5. So I ask you, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? And salvation is so fantastic because it only requires belief and and buying into this this awesome story. An understanding of the magnitude of God and the decrepitness of us and how because of that the only way we can gain salvation is through this awesome sacrifice of, of God and of Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes we underestimate that sacrifice. God, in all his wrath for sin and for the evil of this world, he crushed his son scourged him with all the hate he has for us in our sin and his anger for humanity. And, I mean, it's, it's amazing that in the only way we can be saved is by, by God sending his son. And so we have to understand this awesome story and, and how much we require God. Belief justifies us, but it's not this one-time belief that that many Christians think it is. Um, We need to act on our faith. And as James says um, in chapter 2, verse 19, you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So belief is the key to faith, but it necessitates dedication to God. And it necessitates action. And so, secondly, we need to dedicate our lives to God through repentance. In order to ensure that we're not abandoning God as as the Galatians were, and people of Galatia, we need to time and time again repent when we have sinned. We're all sinful, and our justification by faith does not change our sinful nature. We still are tempted to sin and tempted by the devil to be pulled into the evil of this world. But through the Spirit, we are set on this path of of sanctification, of becoming 
more and more like God when the Spirit is in us and provides us with that discernment. We love what God loves and hate what God hates. And he will not let us willfully sin. And and if you are willfully sinning, relishing the sin and earthly pleasure of this world, God will will set you back um, to the narrow path. Um, But you need to be active in, in dedicating your life to God and accepting that faith that God offers us. And so when we fail, and we most certainly will and do every day, this, this constant acknowledgement of our sin and our um, evil spirit is so important. It, it restores our relationship um, to God, restores our faith, and it reminds us that we, we cannot escape hell without Jesus and his grace. And finally, when we are given salvation, we accept our Christian duty to obey God and further his mission. And in this way, faith necessitates action. We are not justified by action, but when we are justified by faith, we must act on God's commandments. As James says in In chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Someone may say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. And so when we are justified by faith, We we must take an active role in reorienting our life towards God and obeying his commandments. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, this law, God's covenant, isn't constraining us. We're not seeking, constantly failing to, to live up to God's will but the law is freeing, and, and as it did with the Israelites, the law brings us closer to God. We, yeah, we, we know we're not justified by God's law, but we honor God by obeying his commandments and furthering the mission of Christ. As Jesus states in John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, keep my commands. And so it's it's when we're justified, God is bringing us closer to him. And when we know God, it becomes easier and easier to follow his commandments, and we will follow his commandments. Um, but, But we also need to identify the areas in our life where we're not that are preventing us from coming close to God, and we have to give them to God. We need to be active in, 
in reorienting our life. And so when we accept Christ, our life will and must change. How we live, how we spend our time, our money, and all of our efforts must reorient towards God and His will. You see all the Christians in the Bible the, the strong Christians that you look up to. Um, you, you see this in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Abraham, um, when he accepted faith, he left his, his home and went to live in a foreign land. And he was willing to sacrifice everything, even his son, for the will of God. You look at Moses. He left his life of wealth in Egypt and joined his fellow Jews and led them in faith out of Egypt, standing up to the Pharaoh the head of all Egypt. And so he, he put his life um, in the hands of God and acted in faith. You look at Rahab living in sin, a prostitute. But when she heard about this awesome God, she risked her life and everything she had for the lives of the Israelite spies. And she became an Israelite um, and married into the line of David. Daniel, you see this time and time and again, and I, I would recommend you reading Hebrews 11. Um, Daniel um, and, and Paul and all these, these people in, in the Bible they change their life, and in every way their lives reflect what God's doing in their heart. Paul himself, after being confronted by God on the road to Damascus, he left his status um, and his place in the, the, the Jewish church and, and gave his life. He died. Um, sharing the word of God. The same thing in, in all of Christian history. St. Francis, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, C.S. Lewis, all of them, their lives were given to Christ. They were willing to sacrifice everything. And, and they changed their lives through sanctification and produced these inner spiritual fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And they reoriented all their actions towards God. A, an example that I often rely on um, and look up to from recently is from Katie Davis. Um, Katie grew up in, in Maine um, in a middle-class Christian family 
when she was a senior in high school, she went on a, a short-term mission trip to Uganda and, and, and really experienced what it meant to, to live out God's faith and to serve others. And so she took a gap year before, before going to college and, and served with a missionary in Uganda helping children and, and spreading the gospel. And, and she never came back. She continues to serve Christ um, in Uganda. She started an NGO and, and a Christian school to raise up, up these people out of sinfulness, out of poverty, and, and just to love them as God would love them. And, and as Americans, we often value this stability of life, whether it's comforts of, of simple things like a certain type of food or hot showers, or if it, it's just security in our person and in our property, or we value our relationships, our, our opportunities, things like uh, higher education or getting a good job or, or setting up this, this ideal American life. But that's not the life that God has for us. We are called to something so much greater. And this is an all-or-nothing faith. We have to be willing to sacrifice everything. Our jobs, our security, our comfort, our family relationships, even our lives to further God's mission. And these are huge sacrifices from an earthly perspective. People will question why we're doing this, why, why we're not pursuing money or or monetary success. But God has something so much more for us. God rewards us through that. And we're able to have this fulfillment that is just not possible when we're living in this, a life of, of Christian comfort. And so we have to check ourselves. We have to check our faith. We have to check our actions, what we prioritize. We have to compare them not to the things of this world, not to what our neighbor is doing or our friends or our coworkers, but we have to compare that compare it to God. Compare it to the, the example that Jesus set forth for us. And we have to compare ourselves to God's commandments, knowing that we're not justified by following his commandments, but we have to honor them. As Paul says in, in Galatians 6, verses 3 and 4, if everyone thinks they are something when they are not, they, de- they deceive themselves. Each one should test their actions. 
then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. And this is so important. Compare yourself to the truth of the gospel. Do you believe? Do you repent daily? And does your life produce spiritual fruit? And if so, we can be glad and, and secure in our faith. And if not, rededicate yourself to the awesomeness of Jesus and live out true spiritual faith. And so we have an awesome example of this today. Uh, Carrie Semet will be baptized and, and will pledge his life to God and pledge to serve God um, with all of his actions and all of his life. And we rejoice in this so much. And as a congregation, we also must be vigilant to ensure that Carrie's faith does not end today, but that he constantly renews himself in the promise of Jesus' gospel, as each of us should be doing. And so this is, is joyous, and we, we, we have to remember that God has a life of joy and fulfillment for us but we need to be willing to sacrifice what we value as earthly humans and accept the unimaginable joy of fellowship with God the Father. So today, I plead with you, go home and check your faith and make sure that you are following God and that in all aspects of your life, God is shining through you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the power of your word, the power of your salvation, and all that you have for us in faith. Lord, I ask, ask you to challenge us let us challenge ourselves and, and our actions in our faith. And please continue through sanctification to reorient each of us towards a life of the gospel. Lord, we love you. We thank you for th this awesome gift that you have for us in this awesome life. And, and we pray that every day, you lead us from temptation and you keep us in a state of longing more and more for your love and for your influence on our lives. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.